All right, if you brought your Bibles this morning, we're going to read a little bit from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read a couple different sections here. So we're going to start at verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. And we'll read through verse 44, and then we'll flip over a little bit and start at verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives it its, its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And we'll skip down to verse 50. Uh, I heard this this week uh, that verse 51 is the parent's verse. So... Just throwing that out there for you. I declare to you, brothers, the flesh, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. There's the parent verse there. Uh, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We've been dealing with this, this issue of prayer, and, and it's our intention. One of our goals as a church is for us to become a house of prayer, something that we're, we're, we want to improve on, something that we want to practice. And I want to speak to you on the topic of prayer this morning, and, and what I'm going to say may sound like criticism, and please don't take it that way. But, but I want to, to change our perspective or to give you a little bit of scripture and to give us perhaps a little bit of a different perspective on prayer and how we practice it. 
And, and so what I'm going to do is ask you to start to, the, uh, and in that passage that we've been working on in Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and, and we're going to start there. But the reality of perspective, many of our prayers have to do, and as they did this morning, have to do with, with physical issues, with people that are in pain and that are in healing. And, and, and the reality is that we live in a physical world. But it, it seems like that, that many of our prayers relate to that issue and, and relate to that physical world. Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry, we need to start in. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. But, but we want to take a look at it. And Jesus said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do. But he said, this is then, verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, this is then how you should pray. And he gives us a pattern. It's not a prescription. He gives us a pattern. And the pattern of the prayer is this. He starts out by saying, Jesus starts out by saying, first of all, we need to look up. We need to take a look up to our Father who is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And prayer, uh, above all things, is not just us presenting a wish list to God, but it's about us getting to know God. Why does God need us to talk to him if he already knows what we need before we ask him. And it's not so much that God needs to hear us pray as we need to recognize that there is a God who is bigger than we are, who is in control of things, and it gives us a different perspective on life. And so we start with this uplook. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And prayer, is, it, it puts us in, in a perspective uh, as far as God is concerned. Then there's an in-look where he says, Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. And then uh, those words, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, which is an outlook. But there's, there's really not that much in terms of an in-look. Is there? He says, Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, it's about our daily needs, but there's not a whole lot of detail there. And then Jesus said, and forgive us our, our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So it's not just about us, it's about how we relate to other people. And then he talks to, uh, about forgiveness and he talks about temptation and deliver us from, from the evil one. And then there's this outlook, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. So our, our perspective uh, needs to maybe shift a little bit. And, and Jenny, if you can throw that first slide up there. Now, sometimes uh, the Bible teaches that we are made up of basically three parts, although two parts are basically synonymous. And we relate to God uh, as, as physical beings. We relate to God uh, in our body. There's no two ways. This is where we live. This is the world we inhabit. And at this point, this is basically what we know. We live in a body. The Bible says that we have a soul, which is our psyche, where we get the word psychological from. Uh, and then we have, we have a, a spirit, which is what relates to God. But because we live in this physical world, many of our prayers relate to physical issues. And when we relate to God, 
very often we primarily live and relate in this physical realm rather than in the realm of the spiritual and in the realm of the soul. The reality is, like I say, that we live in a physical world. Uh, so much of our, 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 our interest and much of our life revolves around our physical well-being. Now here's what we do with this body that we live in. We feed it, we clothe it, we pamper it, we discipline it, we exercise it, we medicate it, we accommodate it, we rest it, we relax it, we sleep it, we abuse it, we use it, we suffer pain, we pleasure it, we please it, we modify it, we fix it when it goes wrong, we indulge it and we endure. And, and we live in, in this, this physical world. And I think sometimes that results in a bit of a skewed perspective on our physical well-being. Now I have to ask myself the question, what would I do if I or someone I deeply cared about became seriously ill, would I not pray about it? I certainly would. And, and we need to pray about some of the issues that were even presented here this morning. But many times we get so involved with this body of ours that, we, that that becomes our focus, that becomes our sphere of existence. And, and that becomes our entire focus. So, but, you know, sometimes you need to take a reality check. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? As a physical human being, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? You can die. Now, as a Christian, what's the best thing that can happen to you? So which one's better? See, we have this skewed perspective sometimes. There's a tension between us and our faith because my faith says the best thing that can happen to me is to be taken out of this world and to go to be with Jesus. But the world in which I live says the worst thing that can happen to me is to suffer pain and die, right? And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like pain. And I don't like seeing people I care about in pain. But there's, there's a verse in Isaiah 57 that I ran across many years ago as I was working through some of this issue. And, and, and God says in Isaiah, the righteous are taken away and, and no one ponders it. People don't understand that the righteous are taken away to spare them further judgment, to spare them suffering. And sometimes God takes young people out of this world for a purpose and for a reason, and we don't like it, and we don't understand it, but it's one of the realities of life. And so we live in this physical, physical world. Now here's what the Bible has to say. Jenny, I need, to, oh, okay, it takes time and effort and money to do all of this stuff. Now, here's what the Bible says about the body. The passage that Lindsay read for us in 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the defining passages uh, and it's not just about babies needing to be changed, and thank you for putting that in there, Lindsay, but, but um, um, that's totally misinterpreting the scriptures, so there. <laughs> but it's a, favorite, it's a favorite text to put in, in the ballroom in the back. You know, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed for babies. It works. But here's what the Bible says about the human body. 
it is temporal. It is finite. That means it's a temporary thing. It's not designed to last forever. It is natural. It is not spiritual. It is disposable. When I bury someone, I have to have what is, when I conduct a funeral service, I have to have a burial permit before I can conduct a funeral service. And on the burial permit, it says for me, for my information, it says that permission is granted for interment, cremation, or other means of disposal. We have to dispose of a body when someone dies. It is disposable. The Bible says, God said to, to Adam, you are dust of the earth, you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. The body is limited. It's going to die. It is weak. It is sown in dishonor. It is perishable. It is mortal. And it's disposable again. And we need to die. That's the reality of the human body. And so when we relate to God, we so often, we, we take this body, soul, and spirit thing, and when we put it in this inverted pyramid, and we place all our emphasis on our physical well-being, but my question is this. What are we doing about these bits of our being that are called soul and spirit? Something to think about isn't it? Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, this idea is not totally original with me. I've talked about this with some of my pastor buddies, and one of them pointed me to this verse. And we need to take a look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start reading there at verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole Read it for me. Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what Scripture does, it takes this pyramid that I had for you where we put our bodies at the top and it turns it upside down. And the Bible says that our spirit, our pneuma, that's the word that is used in the Bible, our soul, our psyche, uh, are at the top of this pyramid and our body, or our soma, is at the bottom. And what it does, it changes our perspective on life. You see, because we live in a physical world, because we suffer pain, this is the body in which I live. It's the body that I hurt. It's the body that aches. It's the body that gets sick. It gets cancer. It, it's, it, that's where I live. And, and so that's so much a part of my world. But what Scripture does, it takes this thing and it turns it upside down. Now, our prayer lists typically uh, involve many items regarding our physical well-being and our earthly life. It's not wrong. Okay, don't get me. Please don't, don't 
don't misunderstand me here. It's not wrong to pray about those things, but it says much about our perspective on life. But when you look at the prayers of the Scripture, when you take a look at the Lord's Prayer, for instance, there's the uplook, there's a little bit of the inlook. It's not a whole lot about ourselves, is it? The Lord's Prayer is primarily about our Father who is in heaven. It's not so much about us. There's the uplook, the inlook, and the outlook. Now, we are going to go to some of these places, and you need to write some of these references down. Don't look them up, because we're going to go through them way too quickly, but I want to throw some stuff at you, and this is going to be kind of like drinking from a fire hose in a way, which is why I'm desperately running short of time, but we've got to go through this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Jump down to... Or, or jump over to chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter 6 Verses 18 and to 20, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me. Here's his prayer request. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am, I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If that was me, I'd be asking for freedom from the chains. He says, pray, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. Don't pray for me to be set free from my chains. Pray for me that I might have words that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and praise. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 9 through 12, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. 
and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then verse 12. Uh, Epiphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends a greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Why? Not that you're delivered, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials you are enduring. He's not praying for them to be delivered from persecution and trials. He's praying for their perseverance and faith. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you, and pray that we may be delivered from, from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Now, if you go to, uh, there's more. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Um, I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Um, oh, going backwards here, Philippians chapter 1. No. Something went wrong there. Running out of time. Okay, let's go to John chapter 17. Here's Jesus is praying. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. He is praying here for you and me. He's praying for his disciples. And in verse 20 of John chapter 17, Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be also in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Um. <coughs> Excuse me. Now. When it comes to prayers for our physical well-being, the Bible does do that as well. In Acts chapter 28, there's a story there where Paul is on this island and, uh, and he's staying with this man and his father is sick and so uh, the father has dysentery and so the Bible says that he went and prayed for, the, for this man and then after he had prayed for him, he laid hands on him and he healed him and many other people came uh, to him for healing as well, and they healed him. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, 3 John 
3 John, um, actually there's only one chapter there, but verse 12, it says, I pray that you'll be in good health. But the reality is if our physical well-being is so important, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23, <clears throat> he says to Timothy, uh, drink a little wine because of your freak, for your stomach's sake because of your frequent illnesses. Why didn't Paul just pray for him to get better? Or why didn't Paul just heal him? Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus told us to pray for our persecutors. He told us to pray that we'd be delivered from temptation. He told us to pray about the demonic. Jesus told us to pray uh, that we would be able to forgive others. Jesus told us to pray for those who would mistreat us. But there really isn't that much in Scripture that has to do with our physical well-being. And here is probably the reason. The Bible says that we are spirit. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Okay, you can't divorce those three, not right now. And the Bible says that we are going to get a new body. The one we have is going to wear out. It's disposable. It's temporary. It's not designed to last. But we put so much emphasis sometimes on that which is temporal, on that which is temporary, when the reality is that the things that are eternal, we just kind of assume are going to be okay. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be critical here. But I think sometimes we need to change our perspective. It's not wrong <coughs> to pray for our physical well-being. But our spirit and our soul are going to last for all of eternity. And I think that you and I often neglect that and we neglect that in others. The prayers of the scriptures that Paul prayed for the people to whom he wrote had to do with their knowledge, had to do with their growth, had to do with their maturity, had to do with their perseverance. None of it was for physical stuff. Paul even said about me, he says, he didn't ask for prayer that he might be delivered for his from his change. He says, pray that I might boldly declare the gospel. Why? Because it's, there's eternal stuff involved there. It's not just about the physical. It's not just about my circumstances. My circumstances are, are a temporary thing. And I'm wondering... In our prayer lives, wouldn't it be great if we could pray, if we could pray for people to accurately reflect the reality of Jesus Christ? Could we not pray that people would come to complete maturity, that people would have insight and understanding into the will of God? that we as people would be able to reflect the character of God and as we walk around this community. I, I don't enjoy pain. 
and, and the time that I had back surgery, uh, I did what the scripture tells me to do. And, and the, the deacons, the church elders at the time, they prayed over me on the platform here. We've done that to people. We do that to people. We lay hands on you. Any of you sick, call us. We'll come and pray for you. We'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what scripture tells us to do. But so many of our prayers have to do with our physical well-being, which is stuff that is temporary. You see, we take this pyramid and we invert this thing. God says, may your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. And we invert this thing and put all our emphasis there sometimes. And I'm wondering, do we maybe need to turn that thing upside down? Tell you the truth, I was kind of tentative and hesitant to preach this this morning because I know I'm messing with things. But I'm wondering if we need to change our perspective. And before you shoot me down, you're welcome to do that, by the way. I'm not perfect. But before you shoot me down, please take a look at Scripture and see what Scripture is saying to you. There's healing available for physical stuff, and we've seen it happen. But it's not the most important thing in life. Our bodies are only temporary, and even if we're healed, the bodies aren't going to last. But our spirit and our psyche will. And Jesus said when we see him, we're going to get a new body. The, the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. The temporal can't inherit the eternal, and so we will not all sleep. We must be changed. We're going to have those glorious bodies like what Jesus did. This stuff that you and I live in is temporary. It's like a car. I don't know. You can only, you can only drive an old vehicle for so long. I know many of you were mortified. That old beater GMC pickup that I used to drive with all the rust, you know, my rust bucket, and, and sooner or later, that thing had to die, and it had to be replaced. Um, you know, you, you, can't, you can only fix stuff for so long, and then it needs to be replaced. The same thing with our physical bodies, but our spirits and our souls will last forever. We're out of time. Um, we need to pray, and then we can go. We're having a prayer service here tonight, and hopefully we can pray some of these biblical prayers for each other. Father God, thank you for creating us. And Lord, we, yeah, we're made with, with bodies that are fallible, that wear out, and they've got bumps and warts and bulges and diseases and, and aches and pains and everything else. But Lord, we know that this, this is only temporary. And so we pray that you would help us to 
maybe get a little bit of a perspective on life that the physical stuff isn't the most important and that we would put an emphasis ourselves on growing in maturity, in perseverance, in conformity to Jesus and to your word. And Father, may those be the prayers that we have for each other as well. May we pray for the lost. May we pray for the saints, for perseverance, for wholeness, for growth. And Father, just thank you that our spirits, our psyches, are going to live with you forever, and we're going to get those new bodies. And so we pray, as the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed. Have a wonderful day.